I'm really a sum total of my experiences, good or bad. And when I had some of the big wins, a lot of those failures actually contributed because the mistakes I made or things that I did right, I was very careful with some of those things. Welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast, a weekly show where we bring you interviews and in-the-weeds expertise with today's B2B experts and thought leaders. You can see more about today's episode and guest by visiting our website at leadersofb2b.com. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B companies launch revenue-generating podcasts. We schedule interviews between you and your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up for engaging conversations. We handle everything else. Ready to build a podcast that grows your business in just one hour per week? Reach out to us at contentallies.com. Hello, leaders. Welcome back. This is Ledge. Today, I'm excited to welcome Sanjay Puri to the show. Sanjay, your bio completely overwhelms my ability to summarize and you know i i need to hand it over to you for the fantastic intro that only you can give so please say hello to the audience introduce yourself for those who are not familiar with you yet thank you ledge thank you for having me on this um, podcast show uh communication means and for that opportunity and i want to say hello to all your amazing listeners um, for you know giving me the privilege and the honor to be here. Um, as far as my background is concerned, as uh, I've mentioned to you before we started, just was have been curious by nature all my life, sometimes to a fault, sometimes have led me into great opportunities and have sometimes led me to great failures. I've, uh, I'm, I live in Washington, D.C. I've been here for a basically all my adult life, uh, went to school here, got a grant from NIH, National Institute of Health, while I was uh, working on uh, my thesis to build an AI-based system to diagnose patients who have Alzheimer's. That kind of led me to entrepreneurship and was really lucky that I got surrounded by some amazing people and also was in the right place at the right time and um, uh, some cases was in the wrong place at the wrong time in some cases. Uh, so built some businesses and uh, for the past uh, several years have been basically seeing uh, how I can help others who have the gleam in their eye and have the curiosity that I had to give them the resources they need to succeed even more than I have. And also you know, work with smarter people than me. Uh, so that's just a quick uh, snapshot. Like. Absolutely. And that entrepreneurial journey I have found from many guests and that, that curiosity never leaves you, but your role changes maybe over time and your level of impact and the things that that you can get involved with and I know you have evolved from you know entrepreneur to investor to you know essentially community advocate and, and thought leader and there's just many seats there how do you think about that evolution yourself because I think a lot of people in the audience aspire to that you know hope to leave essentially like that that legacy of involvement you know over time I, and I'd love to dive into that yeah so 
you know, I, I think sometimes it's uh, circumstances, sometimes it's in the time of your life, and sometimes it's the opportunity that is presented. So I have had shades of uh, being an entrepreneur. Um, I have, you know, as I said, some success and a bunch of failures too. And, um, you know, idea was that what can I do uh, that would make a difference? And I know that sounds like a cliche, but um, at least trying to do that. And then as far as investments are concerned, where, you know, I worked on early stage, mid stage, late stage, it's um, just incredible as time has passed and because of the evolution ledge that I find uh, the entrepreneurs that I deal with, and I'm sure a ton of them in your audience, they are incredibly way smarter than I am or I was and I ever will be. So my investment is really an invest in, investment in my learning. Really, to be honest with you, why do I invest? Because I get to, you know, at least talk to or engage with smart people. I get to learn. And if I can, with my little bit of an experience, I can tell them what not to do. You know, what age does is it gives you some relationships, if that's the one benefit. And also, I think what age does is tells you uh, things that you didn't do well and what you could have done better. So if I can impart that, and I, so that's what drives me in terms of investments is, you know, learning from others and maybe imparting some uh, mistakes that I made. And as far as community, I, you know, uh, I'm originally from India. I got pretty active in the Indian American community. I, uh, you know, also got active in building strong ties between United States and India, which you know, have shared values in terms of democracy, capitalism, rule of law a big market opportunity for United States. So I've spent a lot of years in doing that because I'm passionate about uh, the United States and what it ex you know can project out to the rest of the world. And I, I love that you and I have talked at length and in other conversations about the Indian American community and in technology and business and those shared relationships. And, and I know from my own, gosh, 20 years in, in technology, you know, I've worked with just some absolutely fascinating, you know, brilliant Indian American business folks from, you know, technicians and, and DBAs, you know, sort of all the way to architects and partners at, at major firms. And it's a thing that is always interesting because you, you know, those people, you know, kind of just bring in a different leadership perspective. And what is it about the Indian culture in business and in family and in, you know, just the, the other aspects, I guess, of leadership that really speaks to you? It, it's so interesting for me to see those those cultural aspects, you know, kind of manifest in business. And, and for folks who, who grew up and, you know, are, are from America, maybe just haven't had those experiences so ledge i think uh, i would attribute a lot of it to the greatness of the united states it attracts the best and the brightest from around the world so you have a country let's say of 1.3 billion population which is india and we in the united states and i'm not saying uh, has been able to attract some of the real the Brightest, you know, there might there's probably about six million uh, people of Indian origin. Obviously, this first, second, third generation, but 
especially in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, uh, people who were coming in from, you know, prior, uh, cream institutions, really top-notch institutions like IIT and others that came here and brought their skills and saw an incredible opportunity. And also there's the other thing that alleged that happens that in India, they, because of the population and the resources, they have to do a lot with very limited resources. So they have to find workarounds. So when they come here and see that ability, that opportunity, I think it uh, just helps them maybe uh, do better. And um, so I, I would say a lot is the, the this country which attracts the best and the brightest, it's Indian Americans, but look around you, uh, whether it is in you from Europe, Latin America, other parts of Asia, we, we have the best and the brightest. And that's the people ask me, what makes America successful? We have that formula down. And what is it about it? The uh, attraction of, of high quality talent? You know, there's a lot of, I don't want to get too, you know, sort of uh, sociologically, politically deep at this point, but there's a lot of negative press about, you know, capitalism and, and sort of the uh, American dream at this point, and yet you still see overwhelming desire to come in here. Are you, uh, I guess, are you um, thinking positively still about those things amid all the bad press? Well, again, like I said, I don't, uh, I try not to get into the labels and stuff. All I say is uh, this country, uh, in my view, and I'm not an expert in many ways, as close to a meritocracy as you can find in the rest of the world. So if you come in and you work hard, there is a reasonable opportunity and you have the ability to you know, do it the right way. There's a reasonable uh, probability that you are going to succeed. That probably is not everywhere uh, in the rest of the world. Uh, and you know, there's examples of companies after companies that have been founded uh, by people who either were not born here or came here as far as second to third generation and what makes that happen. It's, uh, as I said, um, there is that opportunity, uh, whether, you know, how has it gotten complicated because of inequality and things of that nature. I think society corrects itself it's over a period of time and we, like every society are going through changes that will happen. But you, I don't think you can just say, hey, the whole system uh, doesn't work because it has worked. Uh, and that's why I have that ability to talk to someone like you. It has definitely worked for me. Right, right. Absolutely. And I love that. And so in your own personal journey, just walk through some of the various experiences. Because you worked, obviously, you worked in technology, you worked in AI, you've got all kinds of, of political and sort of community endeavors there. The common theme you talked about being curiosity. You talked about essentially, you know, being surrounded by, by great people. Uh, what were the, what were some of the guardrails on that? You, you haven't done all the things. So, you know, in which areas do you consider that, that you've really developed the most? Well, I think, uh, as you pointed out, technology, um, is an area that's always uh, been something that has driven me because I see 
so many applications. Um, my big focus initially was in the health area. And, um, you know, I, I still see revolutions that will happen even after I am gone, uh, Ledge, uh, you know, the diseases that uh, kill us today, whether it's cancer or uh, cardiovascular or, or things like that. Technology is going to play a huge, huge role. I mean, uh, what's happening in, with uh, some of these diseases, the work that is going on, I think 10, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, you're going to see that happen. So not that I have directly, but that's what uh, has driven me, whether it is in technology for health, mobility has been a big passion of mine because I, you know, look at mobility, you know, from a personal standpoint, I have a 90-year-old mom who, you know, has to rely on other people to, like she has to go to the doctor and things of that nature, or just for some social visits, thank God she can at least move around. But I see a lot of people like that. So if we have that ability to use technology to give these people, uh, people who either are differently abled or maybe are senior people, etc. And then from a sustainability standpoint, using technology, and that's where, you know, I've been involved in a lot of the electrification efforts. Uh, it's better for the planet. It's maybe more economical and those kinds of, so those, that's what kind of attracts me is the convergence of technology with things that maybe at least can, in my case, make it better for me and the people around me. If that can happen, I have a feeling that could spread beyond that. And lately I've been working a lot on health and wellness because as I grow older, I don't want to live forever. I just want to live better or not being able to crash and burn. Uh, you know, so I think those are the areas that fascinate me, but there's also new things that come up and that's the beauty of the world we live in. Uh, that make me curious. What are the common threads? And I noticed you, you've worked, you talked about electrification, you've worked in connected vehicles. You, I think, are involved in some kind of accelerator now for uh, connected vehicle technology. That's an interesting path from health to there. And you talked about the mobility, which makes me think there's a almost a public health sort of thread that runs through uh, you know, that thing for you, but uh, that's, that's a leap. And, and I expect big leaps in technology and career, maybe there's a good story there. I'd love to know that, you know, the, the path from healthcare to uh, connected vehicle technology, and then working with other entrepreneurs, the accelerator space is, is real interesting. What is, what is the story arc that takes you from one to the other and, and onward there? Well, I think it's uh, basically the same thing, like So when you look at healthcare, whether it's Alzheimer's, you know, uh, it is stunning what happens uh, to families. It's it's not the person who gets Alzheimer's, it's the families who are surrounding them. That's the biggest shock. And if you move towards uh, other health-related technologies, but also when you move into mobility, you know, one of the largest number of deaths that happen in this country and around the world is through accidents. And they are basically caused by human error. So if, I mean, if we can have moonshot approaches for cancer and all those kinds of things, why not something that is so critical and it's causing so many deaths? I mean, every day uh, you hear about somebody and well, we are now so numb that it doesn't really even get in the news, but there is technology that can help 
save uh, human errors, whether it is, you know, preventing people who are dozing off, people who are maybe uh, driving who should not be driving or things of that nature. And you see the where we have come now, whether it's in the Tesla, you know, auto uh, features and some of these other cars. So you're going to see things happen. That's not to say it will be perfect. But if you can make a difference when almost 80,000, 90,000 people get killed, you can bring it down significantly. I think that's that's where I think technology has really made a big, big difference. And that's the convergence that I really get interested and passionate about, uh, that if I can make a small difference, whether it's in the LiDAR, the sensors, or uh, other software pieces that go into that. So those are the companies I've been working with and supporting. Uh, There's a lot of founders who don't maybe understand the accelerator incubator type of space and how to get involved in that. What is the process by which folks actually get involved in become part of that ecosystem there? I've worked in the accelerator space and in the sort of the investment VC fund space and that, that way there are so many flavors there. What have you taken away that's, that's successful and really supporting entrepreneurs i think uh, and in my own experience sometimes i get jaded with you know like the old accelerator model was let's teach people how to make slide decks and pitch for investment funds and not actually build anything and you know it's it's at least migrated to the more of the maker like let's actually do some things that are supportive for entrepreneurs and you know teach how to make a going concern i i think it's improved but yeah i have a lot of opinions about the accelerator and incubator space ways to do it well and and not well uh, what what have you seen there? You know, as you said, everything evolves with times. You know, things have a way of self-correcting. There's, uh, you know, we had a wave of incubators, wave of accelerators. You know, places like Y Combinator and others have done exceptionally well. And I think it's, it really comes down to the entrepreneur or the team. What do they feel that they lack? Whether it's in a, uh, you know, formal incubator accelerator, I believe that you should have somebody that can probably fill the gaps for you. If you can't hire that person, then look to whether you want to call them advisors, guide, investors, an accelerator, whatever. Because the right now, things move so fast. You don't have years to get to that point. So an accelerator can probably help you maybe you know get to some clients faster, maybe help you with some product definition better, maybe market forces, et cetera. So let's keep the terminology aside is every entrepreneur should see, is there something that I'm missing that'll get me to market faster or get my product faster or get me my investment faster, whether it's getting an advisor or in a formal uh, you know, institution, uh, that's, you know, that's going to happen. And just so that, you know, incubators, Basically, the idea is, uh, you know, you bring a lot of companies and you uh, try to do the best for them. Everybody is not going to succeed. That's just, you need to go in with that. But the idea is, if they fail, they'll come back again as a better entrepreneur, or they will pair up with somebody within the group and the relationships that they have built. The best thing that they can get out is the relationships in that kind of a system. So you might not become an Airbnb coming out of Y Combinator, but at least 
you would have built relationships with the Airbnb and others, etc. So I think that's my philosophy in looking at it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm reminded that uh, as a dare I say young and uh, arrogant entrepreneur that uh, many advisors tried to point out my blind spots, but of, of course at that particular time I was you know not the best listener, and I can remember back to some pivotal conversations that I ignored that advice and could have saved myself lots and lots of money and heartache. Uh, <laughs> do you do you think back to young Sanjay and wish that uh, maybe you had had that experience and uh, what what does break through to the mind of the entrepreneur who is blind spot, uh, unaware, you know, and, and um, you know, is there a way to do that? Except that sometimes I wonder, like, maybe I was never going to be mature enough until now that the, the look back and the hindsight is really where the, the learning happens. Well, one thing I would say, and Led, you're, uh, you know, not unique in your experiences, but what I would say is that the people who, that I at least deal with, have a tremendous, I wish, you know, I had that level of maturity because of the communication, the uh, the deluge of information and the processes and, you know, the startup culture that they have, it, it's a given the startup culture that was there, the ability to fail, the networking, etc. cetera. Uh, what would I have done? I could write a book on, uh, you know, uh, what all I could have done, uh, you know, maybe at least uh, 256 things that I could have done better. But some things that I did, which sometimes I see it with entrepreneurs uh, that I would not, should not have done is chasing the that shiny object. Uh, because what you have sometimes doesn't seem as sexy or great enough and you keep chasing the shiny object, which I did. So I think that's uh, uh, was one of the things that probably I should uh, have learned better. And then also, you know, sometimes the team that you have, Ledge, is great when you started with, but as the company has scaled up, whether, you know, you were maybe a half a million dollar company, now you're a 50 million dollar, 25 or 100 million dollar. You know, loyalty is very, very important and being there with them. But sometimes making sure that you have people who have kind of been through that scale because that can hold you back. And again, I'm talking about my personal uh, learnings, the big learnings that I have. And well, I could go on and on, but uh, those would be some of the things that I would say that I have uh, made mistakes on amongst others. <laughs> right, right. If you had your 25 years ago self in the accelerator, uh, what do you think that experience would be like sitting down with that young Sanjay with with the startup that that uh, he brought in how would that how would that play out not very well because like you I had a you know part of you know what makes an entrepreneur is you got to have a little bit of a confidence in yourself and sometimes you have a overconfidence in yourself and you think you know everything and all the answers so um you know, confidence is very good because if you don't, because there will be good days and bad days and God, uh, if you don't have a belief in yourself, the team around you is gone because they need to believe that you believe. Uh, 
So that I think is so critical. But sometimes, you know, you just because something went right, you believe that you have all the answers in the world. I'm talking about myself. I'm not talking about others. And so sometimes I just, um, you know, was not that open to answers. But I did have some very good advisors too. So I, I would, I have to say that I had some people who really, uh, I am, whatever I achieved, I'm here because, you know, it was on the shoulders of some wonderful people who helped me. And that's part of the re reason for doing some of this thing is because there's nothing I can do for them except pay it forward. And I think that's uh, a little bit of also personal reason for doing it is I had some wonderful people who were with me, wonderful people who have been with me, and I'm hoping there'll be wonderful people who be with me. Most of the successful founders who I talk to, and I, I can resonate with this, hopefully on the way to being a you know, career successful founder in balance, is that they're, they're people collectors and that it doesn't matter what they work on, the sum total of that network over time, they bring along the same key players with them, you know, sort of effort to effort to effort. And if you take away anything from all the successes, failures and other stuff that you did along the way, it, it really is that bank or fund of relationships of people that can come up next to you and say, we're going to do this next thing. Trust me. I know it sounds crazy, but I think I'm right this time. Yeah. Uh I completely agree with you. And I, I think if I look back um, at uh, my journey, I would say the most satisfying has been to see the people that came, but also to see the people that grew uh, and they grew uh, dramatically. And they grew once we had exited and they went on to other ventures and to much, much bigger things because there's nothing at least for someone like me as an entrepreneur to see, you know, the teams that we built went on to other successes because it shows that it was not just me and us, it was really them. And so there is literally tens and hundreds of people that uh, I have really been fortunate, uh, karma, whatever you want to call it, that came in and uh, contributed to my success and they went on to much, much bigger success. And that's uh, probably the most satisfying thing of this entire journey for me to see what has happened. And uh, I can work with a bunch of them uh, and have worked with them, but I also believe in maybe bringing in some newer uh, folks that also can now go on this journey and go on to uh, bigger things because th that is one of the most satisfying things for me is bringing and working and going with uh, newer people. Too. Absolutely. So from a personal basis, one thing I like to ask founders is, you know, as you look back and think about mental health of, of founders and, and CEOs, a huge topic now, there's a, a great deal of, of sort of loneliness and, you know, sort of difficulty and mental health has come to the forefront, not just because of pandemic, but I think people are feeling better and better talking about founder health and the, the loneliness of the, the startup hustle crowd and all these things. And how does that 
how does that play in? How do you keep things balanced and, and better yet teach the young, you know, sort of next class how to do the same thing and not make those those errors that'll just burn you out? You know, again, it sounds easy now that I can look back, but when you're in the throes of things, it's really hard. But keeping some perspective, I think, because we all think when I was in the middle of everything, I thought it was the most important thing in the world. And you have to think that because if you don't, then you should not. If you don't think what you're doing is the most important thing for the rest of the world, then it's not worth doing. But also keeping some uh, boundaries, some perspective. Um, I think that's very, very important. And I see, uh, you know, the entrepreneurs that are coming in seem to have a lot more in terms of, you know, boundaries, time, they are into meditation and all those things. I see that. But, um, you know, I think one has to keep uh, things in perspective and also get somebody that you can really trust that you can be very candid in talking about. Because, you know, uh, I had a big, I had a hard time just uh, maybe telling uh, some of my advisors about my insecurities and worries that I had about the business because I thought that would reflect poorly on me as a person. I just didn't realize that there were millions of others who were probably going through the same thing. And um, I wish I'd known better uh, at that time because it would have helped me emotionally, mentally, but maybe they would have had some solutions and answers which would have uh, given me new ways of doing things. So I would say is, you know, uh, everybody goes through this evolution, no harm in talking to somebody that you trust, who's your advisor or your board member or friend or whatever else, or colleague, et cetera, uh, to share some of the challenges that are happening because I can promise you what you're going through. And I know it feels like it's the most unique thing, which I felt too. I'm the only guy who's suffering through this or doing this. There are probably a few thousand people around the world who are going through the same exact thing. So, absolutely. Let me ask you where you, when you talk about guardrails, you, you talk about boundaries, and I, I, I love that. And I, I think let's loop it back into timeliness. Thinking about failures, some of them you can be right and you can manage so well and you're just wrong, you're too early, you're too late. You know, there's this sort of uh, macroscopic view, uh, existential stuff that you just can't control. And I think those are the most frustrating ones when you when you look back, you say, damn, we invented that 10, mu- 10 years too early. <laughs> and, and now somebody else made a billion dollars on it. And could I have just executed differently or done something different. It's easy to dwell in the past that way. And how do you not get derailed by that and learn from, you know, those, those failures that really weren't your fault? Well, you know, I have had a ton of uh, situations where either I was too early uh, and when the timing became right, somebody turned in it into huge, huge, huge successes. 
I won't go into specifics, but there are so many places. Or I was too late and it didn't turn out well. The way I look at it also is, you know, it's on me. If I'm too early and somebody came in and did a great job, then, you know, kudos to them. And there is something for me to learn. And I probably uh, should have done that better. Um, and, you know, as, a, as an entrepreneur, the one thing you should have, and at least I try to have that, is I try not to dwell too much in the past because I can't change it. I can't fix it. I can learn from it. Now, being very candid with you, I've not always learned from it because they say people who repeat the past will pay the price, and I've paid that. But I try not to dwell on the past, as I said. I have been early several times and there have been some incredible successes that have happened. What was the learning for me? Um, maybe, um, you know, spend a little more time uh, examining that opportunity, maybe talk to customers more. Uh, and when the time was ripe, I should have just gone in because when the time became right, right for that opportunity, I was so burnt out already because I had spent all these years and my time, team, effort, and money. And by the time when it just came about, I had nothing left in my, you know, emotionally, mentally to give. So I would say is just keep the flame burning for the time is right. And it's, believe me, it's way easier uh, said than done. Um, but, you know, you've got to do that. And you don't always have to be right. You just have to be right once to get that big, uh, you know, opportunity that can make a huge difference uh, with what you do. What do you think about folks who are right the first time versus those, and I, I count myself in this second group, who have failed a lot of times and just keep at it. You know, we have a, a certain level of entrepreneurial insanity that allows us to continue <laughs> to, to do that. Uh, and I often look at, you know, people who nailed it the first time and got that big exit. And I, I wonder, which would I rather be? Because it sure would be nice to have cashed out all that stock. And in the other sense, would I have missed out on a, a whole collection of, of wisdom. You know, I, uh, I'm reminded of two anecdotes from, from what you just said. The, the first one from my, my kid's baseball coach to say, you know, there's a reason that the rear view mirror is a lot smaller than the windshield. Uh, and how are you supposed to experience the world? Um, and the other one is uh, experience is what allows you to recognize a mistake when you make it again. So, uh, you know, so I, I just wonder, Looking back, if you had to choose, do, do you want to get a win fast or do you want to have a lot of failures and get the win later? You know, uh, I I think, again, I can only speak for myself and I'm not speaking. I mean, mostly everybody will tell you, hey, I'll take the win fast. Now, in my case, if I had gotten a win fast, uh, knowing me, I would have jumped into other and other and other things which probably would not have been uh, as productive for me as uh, some of these other efforts were because 
I am really a sum total of my experiences, good or bad. Um, and really, when I had some of the big wins, a lot of those failures actually contributed because, uh, you know, what uh, the mistakes I made or things that I did right, I was very careful with some of those things. It was not perfect. So, um, you know, I'm all for people who get the win the first time and really uh, it's incredible. I'm in awe of them, Uh, but I'm also in awe of people who, uh, like you, who keep at it because, um, you know, it takes a lot because, you know, people always have this um, incredible vision of an entrepreneur who's conjuring up, you know, great ideas sitting in a lab or place and coming up with this stuff, but they don't understand the challenges when your employees have to get paid, your suppliers have to get paid, and heck, you're juggling funds or, you know, a client that you counted on, uh, you know, bails on you or your product presentation for the biggest client you have just kind of crashes and burns. So all those things and how to pull yourself up during that time, it takes a lot, a lot uh, that you have to reach within yourself. So, you know, I have a tremendous admiration for people like you who do it uh, and do it again and again because, you know, for every success, you can count how many failures are there around the world. But um, so if I had been successful the first time around, then I would have crashed and burned right away. So I'm a little bit thankful that I had to start. <laughs> I have I have the same reaction, although um, it probably would have been nice to get big checks a long time ago also. <laughs> so, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Isn't that the balance? Yeah, absolutely. I love the perspectives. Uh, so before we go, I told you that I, I like to have the guests put on, uh, I'll call it the sh- short-term futurist hat, you know, sort of, and, and just say for the B2B leadership audience of all stripes, what must be on the radar over the next few years if um, if it isn't already? Well, as I said, I don't want to be, as you asked me, too early for people so that they start looking at. So I'm going to talk about things that most people probably know about and obviously trying to figure out what to do. I, I really see uh, a few things. And again, I'm just telling you my one person's uh, small perspective is uh, space tech is going to be a very critical aspect of what we do because uh when you look around, whether it is wars that we fight, whether it is, um, you know, minerals that you mine, whether it is earthquakes that you have to look at, any of those things, a lot of it, uh, or you moving from one place to another through GPS signals, etc. Where do we think it comes from? Or if you are in a rural really desolate community in some remote part of the world, where do you think your internet is going to come from? So I think uh, space technology is going to be really a huge, huge opportunity. And there's just a 
you know, people think, hey, space is maybe putting people up to the moon. No, there is so many, many, many applications that you can just think about that can be done uh, and are being done, whether it's in geospatial applications, just a ton of applications which we don't have time to talk about. So I would say, obviously, that's a, a big area. Climate tech, I think everybody uh, kind of knows about. Uh, those would be, and there's a few others which you know everybody uh, kind of uh, knows about. But I would say, I would pick in the future and maybe not 10 years from now, I would say space technology would be a great area for people to get involved. Fantastic. Sanjay, I appreciate your insights, your candor. Uh, it's it's excellent to talk to you today. Anybody who's listening and resonates and maybe wants to reach out to you, what are the best channels to do that? Uh, email is probably the best uh, uh, ledge. It's uh, S-P-U-R-I at S-A-N-J-A-Y-P-U-R-I dot com. Not trying to be vain here, but it's just uh, a simple email for me. But um, And I'm generally pretty responsive in getting back to people. I would love to get uh, feedback, criticism, comments, anything uh, from folks. Thank you so much for coming out. It was uh, really great to talk to you today. Thanks so much. Thanks really for the privilege and honor. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leaders of B2B podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating. And as always, you can see more information about this episode and all the resources mentioned at leadersofb2b.com.